will be on step five tonight when we get around to it. Um, some of you know I've been working on some recording and recording a CD called Laughing Buddha. I was raising money on Kickstarter, which just ended today successfully. So, um, and I was in the recording studio all day and uh, I thought I would um, start the evening with some listening meditation. So listening meditation is really, it's one of my favorite practices and it, you can listen to anything, including nothing. Um, and that's actually the practice that Ajahn Amaro and Ajahn Sumedho, some of the um, monks that have been very um, instrumental in kind of guiding this center, uh, that they practice, uh, listening to nothing, just listening to their own, uh, the silence in their in their ears. And um, so listening meditation is just like following the breath. You just uh, pay, pay attention to the sound and then you notice when your mind wanders. Uh, and when, you, when your mind wanders, you come back. And, you know, of course, when you're listening to um, intentional sound like music, then you're, you know, going to notice that you're... Uh, it, potentially, you'll notice uh, the emotional reaction, so just to feel that, to be aware of that, um, and to kind of just uh, maintain mindfulness. That is, not to kind of get lost in your own uh, reaction as much as just kind of feeling and being present and observing the experience. Um, when I was... Um, Practicing years ago, I, I, I sat down with Joseph Goldstein, um, who was also a well-known uh, Vipassana teacher. And, and I was talking about being a musician and being sort of self-conscious about being a Buddhist musician, you know, because it seemed like all the Buddhists were like therapists or something. And, <laughs> and, um, And what he said to me is, well, what's great about being a musician is that when you're playing music, anytime your mind wanders, you get that kind of feedback. You, you either make a mistake or you kind of get lost. And, and so it's a great way of staying present, you know, just to, to be with the, with the music. So, so I do, I'm going to ask you to, to take this as, we'll, we'll use this as just the beginning of the meditation. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to play a little music, and then I'll let it become silent. And then I'll give a, maybe a little more meditation instruction, but we'll just sit from there. So, um, you know, I was, when I was planning this, I was thinking about how I, I don't, when I, when I do play music in a Dharma context, that, I, that it feels a little odd for people to applaud, and I don't really like it that much, and partly because it's, I think, a sense of then like a separation, because uh, I don't really think of it so much as like, oh, I'm performing, look at me, you know, but more I'm sharing something that we're all kind of participating in. And so it's, it's just, you, you know, that you're just as much involved in it as I am. Um, so the advantage of this practice, of course, obviously, uh, since we're just going to go into silence, you won't be tempted to do that. So, so thank you. 
So just begin by um, settling into a comfortable posture. And gently closing your eyes or just lowering your gaze if you're not comfortable closing your eyes. And bringing your attention into your body. Having a sense of really arriving, of relaxing. Feeling the breath. And then beginning to listen. Listening to the sounds in the room, the sounds in your own body, anything else that you can hear.
actually pay attention to what we call silence. We realize that it's not actually the lack of sound. It's just less sound. And what we call music is just like putting a frame around sound and calling it art. Just in the same way that John Cage created pieces that were based on no actual music, not what we would normally call music. And to help us to hear the music that's in the so-called silence. One of the principles of our practice is that we try to let go of the ordinary hierarchy we put on experience, where we prize certain experiences over others, certain sounds or sensations, certain feelings or thoughts. And rather we sit with an openness to just see clearly, not to judge or create levels of value. This allows us to get to a place of more pure awareness. Not a selective approach to experience.
our thoughts tend to lead the way to selecting preferences of experience. So letting go of thoughts allows us to be less biased. Where does your mind habitually go? What does it seek out? Can you let go of that so that you can be just present for what is rather than trying to construct your experience or interpret your experience? or project out into the future.
When we teach mindfulness to children, we start with listening to the bell. Such a direct experience of the present moment, very simple way to connect to that. So, um, are there any questions about practice, uh, about working with listening, or anything else in your sitting meditation? Guitar was a gift I got when I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago. Someone, a friend of mine, gave it to me. It's a custom made, made by a apparently legendary Berkeley luthier named John Lundberg, who died a few years ago. It's about 40 years old. And a pretty amazing sound. I just recorded that song this afternoon. So, and my fingers are numb. And I have double tracks on my calluses. It's very strange. Hmm. I have a question about position. Um, is there any benefit? Lots of us don't seem to be sitting square. Lots of us use the body. But is there any change the difference between sitting in the lotus position wherever I'm sitting in a chair? Um, I think the differences are mainly superficial, and um, certainly um, we kind of, uh, you know, think of the lotus posture as being somehow real a real meditation posture or something, but. I heard that one, um, I think it was a Mongolian monk, told a friend of mine, well, the only pe- reason people sit on the ground in Asia is that they, when they meditate, is that chairs hadn't been invented when they started to practice meditation. I don't know if that's true. There's a different sense of the body. You know, the, I think sitting... Uh, on the floor, sitting in that is it's uh, with the legs folded. Is it's more compact, so there's a, it's a little bit more of a sense of I would say groundedness or uh, you know um, a unity in the body. Um, but beyond that, no, it's pretty insignificant. Uh, I, I, the one thing about sitting in a chair is that you want to make sure that you're not um, overly comfortable, like sitting in a easy chair or on a couch and something that sort of allows you to slump. That's uh, something else about sitting uh, with the legs crossed on the floor is that you're forced to hold yourself erect. So that kind of creates a certain, uh, uh, I'll call it a positive tension you know, in terms of the engagement with the posture. Um, so it's, uh, many teachers will suggest that you don't lean against the back of the chair. I usually sit in a way 
that maybe my lower back is in contact with the back of the chair. But as you can see, I'm, this is, I find this to be a really good way to mimic sitting on, a, on the floor because I don't have a, any back. I'm just sitting on a cushion and it's just, you know, so it's, it's a little bit of that uh, effort that I have to make to uh, keep myself. Well, uh, this period is usually followed by a break, um, at which we will do in a moment. Um, usually Katie has given me a list of things to announce, but the one thing she told me right before I came up, Katie's the manager for the, the evening, um, was that she wanted me to talk about Donna, which is kind of appropriate since I am really in this kind of... Uh, state of uh, being just drowned in Donna right now. So Donna is, uh, well, it's not this. Oh, Donna, oh, Donna, oh, Donna. Although I do a version of that. I taught the Dharma. Donna's all I got When I got home There was nothing in the pot Oh, I need more Donna Donna, where are you? So Donna is the Pali word for generosity. Pali is the language of the early Buddhist scriptures. <laughs> singing the Donna talk. So um, the teachers at Spirit Rock uh, receive no direct compensation out of your fees. That sounded very corporate. <laughs> and so uh, we only uh, receive, financially we only receive what you leave for us out of your own uh, generosity. And really, this is the thing that the Buddha taught first was generosity to lay people. And he said, well, it's the most obvious way that you can practice letting go. It's a great uh, way to, to experience letting go in a very simple and direct way. Um, so, the, so giving to the teachers is not meant to be a kind of obligation, uh, but it's meant to be a practice it's meant to be a practice to be enjoyed. Um, so it's between you and you, not between you and the teacher. It's what does, what feels right to me? Does it feel good to do this? Is there, do I feel inspired to, to give? So um, enjoy, enjoy your giving. I, when I was setting up the Kickstarter project, I felt a little self-conscious about asking people to give me a whole lot of money. <laughs> but, and it was as soon as I started to receive it, as soon as I started seeing people donating, I felt instead of feeling, I don't know what, guilt or shame or whatever, you know, neurotic thing you would feel about 
you know, I, I, I felt tremendous joy and because I, I just felt I was receiving dana. People were supporting what I'm doing voluntarily. Um, so that was very sweet. And it's funny that during this month, <laughs> someone also gave me a $200 putter. <laughs> I play golf. Just like, oh, you need a putter here. And then someone gave me this, which is actually a priceless instrument. So it's kind of seems to be my time for Donna, so. I have some other verses to this, I'm trying to remember them. Uh, yeah. Uh, hmm, there's something about, uh, all right. I gave of the Dharma but my mortgage came due If I don't get more Donna I'll be living with you Cause I need some Donna Donna, where are you? Oh, Donna now that you're gone, I don't know what I'll do. I was saving all of my bills for you. say the Buddha lived under a tree. If I don't get some Donna, you know that will be me. Oh, I need more Donna. Gimme, 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 gimme. It's not a greedy song. It's not really. That's just the wrong attitude altogether. So I'm, we're going to do the last verse, which will be much more inspiring. And I don't like people to sing along. I want it, it's all about me. So, yeah. uh, darn it. Something, something. Darn. It's a really good line. You're going to really like it when we get to it. Uh, this is kind of like Arlo Guthrie and trying to find the beginning of the uh, Alice's restaurant. Here comes the beginning. Oh, here it goes. I want to thank you for your generosity. It all will come back when you win the lottery. Cause there's so much good karma. When you give all your Donna to me, Donna, oh, Donna. You could sing love if you wanted to. Oh, sorry. Donna, that was very stingy of me. Oh, Donna, oh, Donna. 
So there you go. Actually, you probably should applaud now because that was really <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> Told you not to applaud. That was so stupid. What? What's wrong with gets into me sometimes? Let's take a break. Meet each other. If you don't know somebody who's sitting beside you, greet them. Make a friend. We're all here for sort of the same reasons, a little bit. Maybe not, but you can find out. So we'll ring a bell in a few minutes, come back, and I'll try to make more sense. <laughs> <laughs>